are now entering Superflex City population. All the QBs, all the Superflex content, and all of you Superflexers. Superflex finally has a home all its own, and the city never sleeps. Superflexperts, Superflexible, the Superflex Super Show, and much, much more all under one city skyline means you never have to leave Superflex City. Every ounce of Superflex advice, theory, speculation, and strategy on the planet lives right here. Subscribe to the Superflex City podcast feed wherever you listen to podcasts and get access to the only fantasy football entity on earth that is committed entirely to Superflex. Let the Superflex Authority be your tour guide as you explore these city streets. Welcome to Superflex City. Super Flexperts. Michael Finero, co-host of Rookie Fever Podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Bill. What's up? Man, just enjoying the uh, end of 2020 and uh, <laughs> looking forward to this conversation. Uh, we we started out with a positive topic for you uh, and your playoff teams, so... Uh, talking behind the scenes, so maybe we can get into something a little bit more uh, ideal Positive. for you, I guess. All right, sounds good. I like that word, ideal. Yes, let's go into something a little more ideal. Okay, we'll talk about the off season then. What do you typically do, like right after the playoffs? Is there anything you do with your team, or are you just kind of saying, "I'm taking a break"? So, um, I I think there's always a tendency to want to take a, a small break, especially in Dynasty, because you know there there is really only a small break, and it's really just during the actual NFL play, NFL playoffs. But the thing that I like to do or start to do right now, um, the end of this week, going into the playoffs, because the thing I really do love is watching football again. That's like one of my favorite things. Is like just really truly watching the game and uh, the game flow and defenses and and who's going to win and comebacks and lead changes and, you know, the game, not fantasy football. And um, But the thing that I do in the nuances in between the weeks where I'm not setting lineups anymore and things like that, and I've done this for over 20 years, Bill, and I, I think it's, a, it's important for me. What happens for me during the offseason is, if I don't do what I'm about to say, is consensus starts to become my opinion. So in other words, I have really strong opinions about players right now, and I wholeheartedly um, want that opinion to last through the offseason to when I'm making decisions in startups or I'm deciding whether I want to actually trade these rookie picks or get rookie picks. And the only way I can really trust myself is I literally do pen and paper. Not, not I don't type it. I write notes. And they're originally they're just the, the you know, I look at a team. I just look at one of my teams, right? So I told you I had 14 teams. I look at the, I look at team a and I just look at it and I just reflect on it. What, why, why did this team fail? If it was a rash of injuries, then I look at my depth. Um, I also look at, okay, what, what's my currency with this team? And by currency, I mean, um, the rookie picks, right? So they're, they're going to grow in currency in this off season. So I want to know, do I have any currency? Because honestly, if you have 14, and I know a lot of our listeners are in more than that, Bill, I'm sure you are. But when you are in multiple leagues, let's just say that, it's very easy to lose track of your currency, how much draft picks you have. and Because what could happen is you get a little lazy in the offseason, you don't start to use that currency. For example, if you're a buyer of draft picks, you want to start that soon. You don't want to wait until you get closer to the draft, and vice versa if you're a seller, right? So, so for me, I think what I'm doing is I'm taking those notes and those notes are directly related, not only to my team, but players, how I feel about Joe Mixon right now, right? Joe Mixon is a perfect example. How do I feel about Joe Mixon right now? Um, I know his value is very low. I also know that he's really let down, you know, fantasy teams two years in a row really badly. Um, I also know he's really good. 
So somewhere in the middle is where my opinion is. And I feel like what's going to happen is in the off season, we're all going to feel the same way about Joe Mixon. And it's going to be hard to remember exactly how you felt at this moment at the end of the season. So I just kind of reflect on that. I make a lot of notes. And that way, when I start getting back, really back into this, I can just go back and read them. That's awesome. Uh, that's a great suggestion, too, for anybody who doesn't do that. I, like, I definitely have found myself looking back and going, man, I thought of that at the end of last season, and then I didn't act on it. I didn't address that with this team or something like that. It doesn't matter if you have three teams or you have 50, like some people do. It's Right. I mean, if you have 50, it's obviously probably a little more important, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's a fantastic suggestion. And that's back from my redraft days, to be quite honest, uh, you know, when I still have a couple redraft leagues, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, Bill, I mean, you're going to probably join a startup or two this offseason. I'm going to do it, too. And, and that's when you really need to know beyond your teams. You need to know the league. And I just feel like you have really strong opinions right now. And some of them are because you got burnt. But I, those aren't the opinions I'm really looking for. The opinions are, are, are in between. Like, okay, so you got burnt, but how do you really feel about the player? And Or you just don't own any Josh Allen, and you're just so jealous of – everyone else that that owns josh allen is like beating you on 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 in your finals right now because of josh allen you you just i don't is is that something that that you know you're going to act on in the offseason and if you are i mean that's a perfect example where you know his value is so high right now where are you acting on that do you have the ability to act on that but the point is my notes are more reflective of um real big player shifts in 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 my in my world not not in a calculator, not not even your opinions, Bill. My opinion of a player. I, I do truly believe in that. Like I believe that it can be wrong, of course, it's an opinion, but um I just feel like in an off season, it feels like an eternity where there where so many other voices come into your head that that you forget how you even felt five months ago, four months ago, three months ago. I know I do. Maybe I just have a shitty memory. You and I are probably very similarly aged, so I would think that uh, it would. Everybody our age has bad memories. Branching off of what you just said about just the in, the influence of others in your opinion, yeah. it, it just happens, and yep. you don't even realize it's happening. But it, it just if you're spending a ton of time on Twitter, like one of my podcasts is specifically about Twitter. You know, it's like we pull all of our conversation off of Twitter, so. Like, I'm so dialed into that that I have to be careful not to have that influence me more than it should. You know, I'm, I'm willing to take the information in, but I really need to process it and make sure that it's I'm processing it and I'm not just throwing that information in my head and recalling that. And, you know, that's something that I think we all need to do. And we need to be sure of ourselves enough to accept the information that you feel is important and and discard the others and not let other people, even maybe if they have a a bigger voice than you or have had more success than you, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to fit how you build your team or, you know, things like that. So it's, it's definitely something that I think we all have. It's a discipline of sorts for each individual to be sure that they're playing their game. I think just even writing this stuff down kind of helps you do that. Yeah. It helps with your memory to write it down physically, which is why I mentioned that earlier. I don't type it out. Um, and then other, the other thing is uh, kind of like, what do they say? Like, you know, half of knowing you have a problem is admitting you have a problem. I think we all have to admit that we do, you know, concede our own opinion to consensus or we, or we're like, or we have the possibility or tendency to do so. Um, and if you do to protect that, I mean, hell, I mean, I, I used to remember way back in the day, I used to, I used to do rankings at the end of the year. I would just rank out players. So that when I saw consensus rankings, which is what they are, ADP, right? That's what it is. When I saw ADP coming out the next season, I would compare it to my rankings from the previous season. Now, my rankings shouldn't should not just it shouldn't be a straight statistical ranking, right? Because you can do that on any computer. It should be like this guy finished down here, but AJ Brown finished where he finished, but he was hurt, so he's still way high up on my list, you know, and um, and. And, you know, with anybody, uh, this guy overachieved and is older and he's lower on my list, like all those kind of things. That's even helpful. 
um, to just be able to reflect on, say, well, this is with how I felt at the end of the year. Nothing's changed. How, why, why is player X so much further down on their list? That's, that's a guy I need to target. Why is this guy so much higher on that list? Uh, maybe I need to look at somebody near his ADP that I like more. Um, things like that. Do you find yourself acting more before free agency or after? Or is that even something that you think about, like in regards to players that maybe, you know, haven't signed a contract yet? Is that yeah, sure. something that you even take into account, I guess? Yeah, no, that's a great that's a that's a great question, Bill. Uh, I've done that more and more in the last couple years, uh, being introduced to like Sport Track. Is that what it's called? Sport Track, I think. Looking at players' contracts, um, like AJ Dillon, right? Like AJ Dillon just popped off last night, and AJ Dillon is a guy that I invested in, um, you know, as either a second round pick or I traded for, and I own it decent amount not a lot of aj dylan and 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 we saw him get on the field from time to time and we saw him do next to nothing but he was also wasn't given much of an opportunity and we all were looking ahead i'm not the only one looking ahead at the the, the two contracts that are you know udfas i mean they're red they're ready i mean they're they're you know they're unrestricted so i mean they can you know both both guys can just be gone i don't think that's going to happen but i also think you know uh, looking ahead to opportunity, looking ahead to free agency, you can find these pockets where a player perceived, you know, value could go up based on free agency. So I do look at it at a certain amount of that. Um, I don't comb the league because I think in general, there's only like a handful of major players that really tend to move and you still don't know where they're going to move. And there's right. so much uncertainty. It's kind of actually, it's a lot like when we rank these rookies, before landing spots it's a lot like that it's like well we can rank them we can we can talk about them outside of where their opportunity lies but it's so much more fun and so much more interesting and so much more dialogue gets passed back and forth when we know what emblem is on their helmet from march through the rookie draft i mean i know you you have a show solely on rookies so like how much of the information that you hear from others during draft season do you take into account um, before the actual draft? Yeah, sure. So um, that's already started for me. Okay. So all my all my rookie research is happening now. Um, we were deprived of a lot of college tape. Um, so those people that you know, there's a there's a Devi crowd that I'll I'll I'm pretty loyal to that I kind of rely on, you know, to, to kind of give me a, a head start. But then I, then I start to, you know, I start watching some games, you know, these are, these are, these are pretty available. Um, you know, and, and if it's not games, they're, they're abridged games. The things I try to avoid cause I've been burnt by it is looking at highlight reels for, for information. Sure. Um, but, uh, but that process has already started because, you know, y- you get really excited about late april uh right here in december it's so easy to do um because we're you know the the leagues that you uh didn't make the playoffs in you're moving on the leagues that you made the playoffs in and 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 just fell short you're you're already thinking about 2021 so um i i started uh i want to say last weekend really kind of digging in uh to the 2021 rookie class and getting super excited um, about that class. And then also just looking team by team, revisiting my league roles to try to figure out, like, uh, you know, drop ad, drop ad deadlines, um, just just any sort of, like, little nuance. Because, you know, I think this, this year I might have joined, I want to say four or five leagues. So those leagues have unique roles. And... And I just need to kind of revisit those off-season kind of calendar type things. So that's something I'll do in a spreadsheet that I need to add those new teams to. And then I'm just trying to identify, like, you know, just, like, trade targets. What, you know, what, what's my wide receiver depth on these teams? I always like a lot of wide receivers, by the way, um, even though I'm a running back guy. Uh, so I'll, I'll try to – I'll try to um, – I'll try to evaluate – I'll try to do a little bit of evaluation on the teams. But I like to turn that page – kind of early because i feel like there's not a ton i do right away i feel like leagues get a little um dormant in the next couple months which is kind of sucky 
but that's why I'm doing that 2021 stuff now. Because the 20, 2021 stuff, I mean, dude, everyone likes the shiny new toys. And, you know, and yeah, yeah, you're right. Swags and I co co-host Rookie Fever, so we'll be turning that page soon. We don't like to turn it too soon. Uh, we also really dig in when, when we know where their landing spots are. That's when we really start to dig in. But, but before then we'll, we'll flirt with it. We'll bring on some Debbie guys. We'll, we'll get some talk going because you know, I I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. It's, it's a, always an interesting process for me. Like I just, you know, you, you see the players like right now who, who we think are going to be really good prospects. Then you have the uh, combine, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden this player sucks now, you know, <laughs> or this player is incredible. And every year it happens where we fall in love with these guys, or we learn to dislike them because of that particular, excuse me, that particular data point. And you know, then all of a sudden, like podcasts everywhere are touting, or you yeah. know, it's just like this incredible wave of love for a particular player. And all of a sudden they end up being like a darling to everybody. And then we don't, they end up getting drafted in the, like the fourth round or something. And then yep. <laughs> everybody's overdrafting and it's just such an interesting process. Like every year, that's what I struggle with is how much information do I take in about all of that? Because there's just so much information and there's so much bias that just from certain data points that skew reality a little bit. And you know, that's, I think my biggest, and that's probably a lot of people's biggest struggle um, during that, you know, draft season, especially. And I think if anything, Bill, what you just described has gotten just kind of like a little more intense every year because we're seeing more rookies. I mean, how many rookies are in, in champ on championship teams this week? You know, your Jonathan Taylor's, your, you have like these um justin jefferson's you have these players that really shouldn't be doing this well especially with a, a covid off season right? right like we we've built in every excuse in the world for these rookies this season and all we did was just get one after another after another popping off I, between swags and i were talking about it between weeks 10 and 14 our rankings were just going all over the place and that's not supposed to happen you're supposed to stick to your rankings what i did find was that our rankings, uh, even though we did them separately and kind of came to consensus later, were, were were mysteriously similar to before the season had started. Right? Oh, there was wow. a lot. There was a lot of players that kind of like um, got got booted way up the list um, for a stretch, if you will. And uh, and and what really started to happen is you saw you saw that the same four or five guys that were at the top at the top again. You know, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, Swift. You know, those guys were really struggling, you know, midseason. And they were popping off. Like I said, I think Swift was maybe a little – I mean, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, we all knew Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he had a really rough middle. You know, you saw Jordan Wilkins start to come in. I mean, I heard – I actually started to hear redrafters say that, that that you know, Taylor was a bust. And, uh, and, and, you know, you'd like to think that that permeates into the dynasty community, but it doesn't, you weren't getting Jonathan Taylor for a dime. Like, you know, people who had them knew what they had, but, um, but at the same time, you know, what you're talking about, uh, is, is tougher and tougher to avoid because rookies are popping off. And I think, you know, if you look, it's not as much as you think it, it, there's an uptick for sure. But, you know, when you have a 21-year-old and Justin Jefferson being a top 10 wide receiver, do you know how valuable that becomes in Dynasty? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just – that's insane. I mean, Devontae Adams is probably, because of the season he had, maybe the wide receiver one. And if we just assume he's, like, a top three guy, which he absolutely is, <laughs> this is Devontae Adams. He's been doing it, you know, year in and year out. And but Devontae Adams is what 27, 28 years old. So, yeah. like, you have dynasty gamers look at Justin Jefferson two or three slots below in his rookie season. Well, I'm sorry, not that, that was an exaggeration, five or six spots below in his rookie season. And you see six, seven years younger, you're like, oh my god. So, I get it. And and that's why I think there needs to be a podcast called Rookie Fever. That's a great uh, idea. Somebody should do that. Yeah, I think that would be a great niche market. Heck yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny. I talked to Swags about that and I'm like, you know, I, 
I like the way the format of the show. This is now a complete advertisement for Rookie Fever for months. Nice, but nice. <laughs> like I always enjoy it because I don't focus a lot on what you guys do and how you kind of keep track, paying attention to these top ten weeks and how many times they've been in it, and you know, seeing who's maybe on the uptick, who's on the downswing, that sort of thing. Like that's stuff that every player doesn't do and you know or have time to or the desire to but mm -hmm. to be able to just pop in and listen to that once a week it, it gives you an idea of trends and how it helps you really be able to act on things you know i i do find it to be a very helpful pod for sure thanks i, I actually that it's fun i appreciate you saying that and I, that is something that that swags and i hear a lot is the because you guys focus on this every week it's just not something I do. And it's nice to pop in and get like kind of like a little report card, like hopefully in an entertaining way. But but it, it's it's a lot of fun for me to do that because I didn't do it either. I, I, I did not do that um, before Rookie Fever at all. And it is somewhat predictive. Um, you can spot snap shares and targets going up in you're paying attention to guys that they're for the most part unstartable you know they're 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 just about downright unstartable so you're not paying attention to them in your dynasty leagues they're on your bench they're on your taxi squad and and the reality is you didn't see you know Cole Komet coming you didn't see you didn't see Swift get his opportunity share you didn't see how Jonathan Taylor was being shared with the ball and what instances and when he was getting red zone looks and when there there were there were things happening where and i can't tell you why they happen i have no idea why they happen i don't know it's coaching decisions i don't know if it's a player not understanding the full playbook i don't know if it's a mentality that the veteran needs to get the ball until you've earned it i don't it could be a combination of all of them i don't truly understand that but what i do know is i can look at what's changing that i can look at what's about to change based on what i'm seeing change right now and then what is that player doing with that change and change meaning like an increased opportunity? What are they doing with it? Are they failing miserably? Joshua Kelly? Are they completely just blowing away expectations? It becomes easy when you're only focusing on, let's say, I would say Swags and I at any given time are focusing on, you know, 30 to 50 players. It's really easy to, to, to spot when you're focusing on them. And I think it's super difficult to do that on your dynasty teams when you're trying to do things to manage it to win. Yeah, that's actually, I found when I had maybe a handful of teams, I was doing that. I was checking snap shares on players, seeing trends every week. You know, Football Guys has a really good site that shows you, you can yep. search that. And I was way more on the ball with that. And I felt like I was making so many better decisions on waiver wires, yep. Um, yep. all that sort of thing. Like, I think that's a super underrated tool for players now it's just i have so many teams and i have so many other things i do in the hobby that it's just like i don't even have time to really dig through that stuff but yeah i felt like that gave me such a huge advantage compared to other players that obviously weren't using that because these players were still on waivers sure. or you know players that i could trade for before they realized maybe they're sick of this guy sitting on their bench so you know it's it's a great tool and yeah, just just being able to have somebody do that for you is pretty incredible. So subscribe and rate and review. <laughs> nice, thank you. For sure. So <laughs> All right, so let's say um let's go to something a little fun. What did you want to be when you were 10 years old? Archaeologist. Very cool. Anything in particular or just general? Indiana Jones. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Indiana that's, Jones. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that, that's what uh, was a, he was the coolest dude. I, I mean, I knew that I did not want a nine to five job. Um, I knew that I did not want to go to work in a suit and tie and sit at a desk. Um, it was something that my father did for our family for years. I think he hated what he did for a living. And, you know, my mom was a stay at home mom. And I just felt like they were unhappy. Not that my mother, you know what I mean? But I got gotcha. you. They were yeah. just unhappy, right? They were making money, but they were unhappy. So I thought, archaeology. I mean, resolved. That, that's an that's an adventure every day. I mean, I would never be in an office. I'd be everywhere. Reality sets in, though. 
I think it's 95% of archaeologists are also like um, professors in universities. So you have to be like a teacher and you have to like know a lot of history. I hated history. <laughs> <laughs> so you did ask me at 10 years old, right? So, yeah, I, for so sure. after 10, I'm, I'm, I'm not matured. judging you. <laughs> after 10, I matured beyond uh, the Temple of Doom and, and uh, realized that uh, archaeology wasn't as sexy as it looked on TV. Major disappointment in life, huh? <laughs> it was. All right. Uh, who was your favorite athlete growing up? Uh, that's why I live in Philadelphia and I'm a New York Giants fan. My favorite athlete growing up, he's not necessarily the poster boy for good behavior, <laughs> um, but he just dominated that side of the ball and continues to be my favorite side of the ball, yet I'm not in one IDP league, and that's Lawrence Taylor. Um, he just seemed like a god amongst men. Uh, just seemed maybe he, maybe he was on drugs. I don't know. Um, but uh, Good chance. <laughs> but it was uh, what he did to the game to this day is just got groundbreaking so he was by far my favorite and at the time there were no you know when i was a kid and impressionable uh he wasn't doing anything we knew of wrong so he you know seemed like a model citizen to me sure <laughs> that's cool that's uh yeah i mean no arguing how great he was so yeah it's hard to argue yeah all right fun fact that your listeners wouldn't know about you mm fun fact well there's plenty of fun facts my listeners wouldn't know about me um i'm trying to think that you want them to know about you <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think what would i want them to know um i love the outdoors um absolutely love it i've been uh greatly deprived of them uh ironically because of covid and uh the biggest reason is initially that that right around march which is when i would start venturing out a lot of my day hikes and, 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 and overnight camping trips. Um, you know, as we all know, the country pretty much shut down. Uh, we found out later that being outside was really healthy. Problem with that was everybody wanted to do what I do all the time, which was get outside. So that meant overcrowding, overpopulated, just a mess. Uh, well, I love the outdoors because it is quiet it is reflective it is meditative it is i will do it alone a lot of people think it's very strange i will go kayaking completely alone i will go camping completely alone and it it's the alone quiet part that i value i went camping one time all year so i am just oh, a, wow. i am just an ornery cranky son of a bitch uh oh um <laughs> Do you play in many Superflex or not yes. really? Yeah, I'd say half of my leagues okay. are Superflex. Um, so let's kind of focus on that. When you are drafting, are you looking to grab quarterbacks early? Are you looking, you know, just kind of how do you attack that position? Yeah, that's a great question. So, and I feel like um, pretty early on, I developed my strategy for that. I've never really abandoned that strategy. I still think it's a good one. So basically what that is, is I want to get one stud. Then by stud, my definition could be different than yours, but he's going to be young and he's going to already have, it's not going to be somebody that needs to show it to me. I've already seen it, uh, preferably for multiple years. So he's going to be young. So you got your Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's now no longer young, I guess. But um, so I'm talking, I'm talking like somewhere in the age range of 26 to 30, like okay. that age where I just know who he is and how good he is. I'm going to have one of him. Then I'm going to abandon it for a little while and I'm going to play the room. So like play my draft, like where, where, where am I? I basically set up like little, little, not tiers. Um, but I have like a, a, a floor. How about that? I have a floor and a lot of my favorite guys. Cause I'm always leaving with three starters. That's the other thing. Cause I feel like if I'm in a 12 team league, I have an advantage if I have three. So I'm going to be, I'm going to absolutely have three and chances are, because of the one that I feel really, really good about, my other two are going to be people that you don't like. You don't like Kirk Cousins, I'm taking them. You don't like Matthew Stafford, I'll take him. You don't like Derek Carr, I'll take him and back him up with Mariota way later. That's, that's me. That's what I do. I'll take all the quarterbacks you don't want for some weird fucked up reason. And usually it is really weird. Like Kirk Cousins just just keeps trying to be a QB one might be a low QB one. You don't like him, but that's what he does pretty much every single year, but you hate him, and I can get him as my second QB 
way after the fact because you just don't like the guy that's the kind of guys i like to go for now this is a horrible time of year to have this discussion because both matthew stafford and Derek carr have grossly let me down and others but no fault of their own i would say i would say for the most part it was injury but um carr did have a couple really shitty games this year but uh with all that being said that's kind of how I do things. I want to have three. I got zero problem having four. I just don't tend to have. I think that's a lot. Um, I, I tend to having that many, having three starters, probably two or even three quality backups as well. Um, that, that position's locked up. I never have an issue throughout the year. I have the option to sell if, I, if I'm making a move. Um, I was in a league... Uh, one of the one of the leagues I was out kind of early and big surprise too. Michael Thomas was a big reason, but I was out kind of early in and uh, and I traded um, Gurley and Golf for Dak. It was a great move for me next year. I think it was a great move for that guy this year. But I noticed he didn't have either of those players started in the playoffs. Uh. You know what I mean? Like that that's crazy. Um, and for me, like it was a good move too because uh, I know there's a little uncertainty with Dak, but. You know, that's the kind of stuff I think you can do with some extra QBs. Like, you can sit there and go, you know what? I could do this, and I can make this move, and and I could do this. I mean, maybe that's a bad example now that I bring it up because it was QB for QB. But um, I just don't want to be the guy shopping for a quarterback because the, the people who have more than they need like having the security and want a lot for that security. And typically in leagues, what I found is it's hard to move them. You know, it, it seems more difficult because, like, like I said, I think you want more because you gave up that that the, that draft capital in your startup, and you just want more. And you know, it's it's about it's all about finding the right partner at the right time. But that's for that's sure. kind of long answer. Sorry about that. No, long, you're good. Long answer for you know, I want to have three. Um, you know, if I could have four, just because it kind of went that way, it's going to probably be one of those guys that is a starter but not really like Trubisky was a good example like he probably could have done he probably could have got three legitimate starters and probably Trubisky somewhere and Foles conversely the same exact way um like those kind of guys a Haskin like you could you could but those to me they're not starters you no. know I mean, like they're, those are those I, guys that are sitting on the bench yeah. just in case they pop kind of thing yeah exactly and then of course they're the guys you're trying to sell job security is such a huge part of it yep like so even the studs where you said you've seen it happen a couple years like that's that just that security of knowing that that guy's not going to bust is so huge yep yeah it's a in that position in particular like uh so i had a league with this was this was a this was a this is one of those ones that was a, a one or two seed believe it or not but i had a league with I can't remember who my top QB was right now, but um, we'll forget who he is for a minute. But I had Wentz and Stafford. I'm going into week 15, and we don't know if Stafford's going to even play. And we already know Wentz isn't. So now I have one QB going into week 15. I'm the two seed coming off of a bye, and I don't know if Stafford's going to play. So like I'm in this situation where it's just like, wait, I don't get in this situation. Not me. I have Carson Wentz. He he's gonna play all season. I have Matthew Stafford, barring injury, he'll play all season. If he's not, I have I already have Wentz and and, and quarterback A. You know, I'm 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 good. Like I don't have to have three. Like I can afford this loss. But when I lost both of them in 15, it was like, well, now what I do? I wound up making a move with Swags to pick up uh, Andy Dalton for a third. And Turns out last minute, Stafford's going to play. <laughs> so I leave Dalton on the bench, right? I let Stafford go out and do Stafford things, and he did all right. So I let Stafford play week 16 because I win. I put Stafford into that, that final game. I'm all right. I don't need to start Andy Dalton, who finished two overall. Why would I start Andy Dalton? <laughs> but you're I'm not bitter. I'm not upset. I'm not no. upset. Yeah, we move on. We pass the page. We write notes. Right. That's right. That's where we're at. <laughs> All right. So let's go for a little bit more with just the startups. And like, let's say it's a startup with uh, rookie draft picks in it. Do you typically find yourself with more picks than others or less? A lot less. 
anybody who's ever listened to me on any pod, this this subject comes up with me and it makes me feel like an old curmudgeon. But um, I am really madly not easy to f- – I don't fall for players easily. I really don't. You know, ask Swags about Antonio Gibson. You know, like it. There, there is, and, and it's not take lock. It's actually, I just don't believe you yet. I'm looking at easy matchups you were in. I'm looking at a four game sample size. I'll come up with every single reason under the sun to not like you because you haven't earned that trust yet. So what happens is when I'm in one of these startups and I see a first round draft pick go as early as I see proven talent sitting in the same exact spot. I'm not for the one three. I'm not taking that chance. I'm also going to have to potentially wait two years for that one to three to be as good as a player that I can pick right now. Why would I do that? I can never do it, Bill. I want to because I never, after a startup, I never have good draft picks. <laughs> my earliest, my, I, I went to look when you saw this question on the sushi, I went to look. And the earliest draft pick I had in my startups this offseason was 2-7. And 2-7 was Denzel Mims in that one. Um, but I also saw, like, oh, they're really good. Like, so Denzel Mims didn't work out this year. I still like Denzel Mims. I'm just saying he didn't help my team. I don't know what I could have picked there. I'm sure somewhere in that round I would have I would have found something to help me that year. So it's not about that. I get it. It's a startup. But my point is, with that particular 2-7, I also saw players that would have. <laughs> Brandon Ayuk was sitting in there. I think he was picked right before my 2-7, but that would have helped me this year. Um, so I understand <laughs> that that it's like kind of like I said, like maybe an old curmudgeon kind of thing. Like, I want somebody that I know can do it. I don't want the young. I kind of get that that sounds like old school, but – when I see those first rounders go off earlier than I'm willing, I just wind up with late seconds and thirds. So yeah, that that kind of surprises me a little bit with the rookie fever thing. Yeah. Like I thought that maybe, you know, you'd feel like, okay, well we go over this so much that I'm a little bit more confident in maybe my ability, but I mean, I 100%, you know, understand why you would go the other route. I mean, and it sounds like even you're moving your picks. Mm-hmm. Also, like if you, you're moving your first rounders, typically knowing that you can get somebody who's like already contributing, is that how you yeah. typically play? Yep, pretty much. Yeah, and and my success rate after a startup is very high. Yeah, like I have a great so 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 my weakness. If you were going to pick one out to this day, I'm trying to get better at because I do know that I win, and what I'm referring to is trading. Um, I know people that are passionate and love to do it. I have extreme separation anxiety. Like, for example, I traded away Tyree Kill this offseason. I can't, I almost can't watch him play. I'm in four, <laughs> I'm in 14 leagues. I only own two Tyree Kills. I traded one Tyree Kill away. He's just so insanely special that when you had him. And he is just gone. It's really hard. Like you, you hear this. Like do you hear this. This this I, does I not feel the pain. It's like this does not sound like someone that loves to trade. Like this sounds like somebody that holds fast onto what he's got and doesn't want anybody to have him. I try every day to get around and past that. All the trades that I win, quote unquote, are trades where someone comes to me. Almost every time they came to me because I'm just feel like I'm in more control. I feel like I may be a uh, um, person telling the future, but uh, Finero is going to be a hoarder in his later years. <laughs> He's not going to get rid of anything. Yeah, I do. I do. I have my, my my mother said she can never put me down as a baby. So maybe maybe it stems from my childhood, where like this constant need to to be held by Tyree Kill. Oh well, I can see that. <laughs> Okay, um, what's your highest bowling score ever? I don't think I ever was able to get 200. I know that the, the high score is three, right? It's mo- that's the highest you can get. I don't think I ever got two, but I think I got like dangerously close several times. So yeah, it's going to be somewhere, it's going to be somewhere between like 190 and 198, somewhere in that range, probably, you know, half a dozen times. That's good. 
How about uh, go to karaoke song? Um, good luck ever seeing me on the stage doing karaoke. If I, I, I'm trying to think the few times I was kind of forced to, um, I'm trying to think I literally dude, like I'm 46 years old and I might've done karaoke twice. How about a song you sing in the car when it's on song? I sing in the car when it's on. Um, I love all music. So like to pick out one song, one song. How about since we're we're on a football show, we'll do Sunday Bloody Sunday. You too. Okay, I can dig that. All That's right, actually right. a that'd be a good karaoke song too. <laughs> I could pull that off, actually. I think. Hell yeah! If you could give yourself one tip, like if you ran into Finero who just started in fantasy football, really hold on to your own opinions as much as you want to take in others. Take them in. Just don't let it change yours so easily. I think people will also do that in life too much. I think you really need to feel, um, have strong feelings. It doesn't need, doesn't mean you need to go preach them to everybody you know, but just, just hold on tight to what you believe in and, and know that that's a fact too and that it, it is maybe the most important one. No, I dig it. Like as a in a school of thought for like humanity, just society telling you what you're supposed to do and be and all of that. Right. You shouldn't be listening to that. Right. And it's very hard not to. And just same thing in fantasy football. Everybody's telling you what works for them. Yep. And it's different for everybody. And you know, it's a, a matter of risk tolerance. It's a matter of all of these different things that other people have that's at a different level than you. So mm -hmm. take what works, but don't yeah, don't get influenced. I have such a great rule just for life in general. So well done. Thank you. Look, we're learning stuff here on yeah. Superflex Birds. Yep. In 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 fantasy and in life. Yes. Do you do have you done any auctions or uh, Yes. Do you do yeah? Yeah, so um this is crazy. So I've been playing fantasy football for twenty five years. Um Dynasty since two thousand fifteen and my first auction league was this off season. Uh, the uh, trades HQ boys um, found out that I had not been in an auction. They were filling out their HQ for listener league. And they said, Hey, you know, we got a spot, you know, would you want to, would you want to jump in and, and give it a whirl? And I was excited as hell because like, I, I, I felt like it was a format that I would suck at. Like I do, like I really, and I was right. I was, <laughs> <laughs> but I also knew it was something I would really enjoy. And that draft was so freaking fun. Um, but I, I don't want to take over the conversation. You might have sub questions on Not that. really. Just tell me about it. All right. So, so the reason I said I wasn't good at it is because um, I'm not very patient in my life. Um, I'm more patient with managing my teams once they're my players. We talked about that already. But when everyone was available to me and I had all of the money, I wanted all of them. Now, I understood that I couldn't buy all of them. I understood that I was probably paying more than I would pay later. But you never really know. You know, I did my research before all this went down. I, I wanted to know what should you spend on an, on a player? What should be the value? The reality is, and what I've learned is every single one of these auctions is stone cold different from the other one. You have no way to possibly monitor. But the one thing I really, really, really did wrong is I, I, I when I saw a price that was too low, I got in every time. It's not your job to redline people. It is not redline, meaning as it's getting closer and closer to the time limit, you you put the bid in and uh, puts the clock back up. First off, you can get some enemies in the draft doing that. And secondly, it's not your job. You, you got to look at players that you want. So when I said I, I screwed it up, I did that. Now, I also told you I do really good in startups. So I did still get players I wanted. I just didn't get enough of them because I didn't have any money left, right? I wound up finishing as a second seed in that league and again, getting knocked out uh, semifinals actually in that one because I got my buy. I came out and got spanked, I believe. But anywho, so when I say I didn't do well, I know what I didn't do well. For example, 
I have Devontae Adams and Julio Jones. I promise you, you didn't start another one of my wide receivers on any fantasy team in your league. <laughs> that is that is the lack of depth. If that does not tell you how I effed it up, then I can't help you. Okay, yes. Do I have Devontae Adams? Is he is his value gone up from the day I bought him? Absolutely. Um, could I even possibly turn that in for a King's Ransom? Possibly. I'm telling you I'm almost forced to do so now. That's how I screwed this auction up. How are I you am, even going to do that? I almost your, have to dump them. With your fear of change, how are you going to do that? <laughs> I'm going to have to suck it up, I think. And it, wow. anger, it angers me because um, the the one rookie I decided to go on was the rookie I felt the least good about. And this is, this makes it even worse. Everyone felt the best about. That should not be a guy I buy, right? So, so let the the, the Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, right? Exactly, Jonathan Taylor, Ceh, Swift, Acres, right? There's the four, right? Ceh is at the bottom of that list, right? But he's at the top of everyone else's list. Why would I own him? Why would he be on my team? Because I didn't like the price he was going for early. That's why I thought that was too low. Who so cares? Now so I have don't price enforce. Yes, don't price enforce. It's a shitty thing to do. It's it, it's gonna and honestly, dude, if I could play this particular auction back, I'm not saying they're all this way. I would sit out the whole first day. I mean, that's 100 percent a way that you could go about it because yeah. you're gonna be able to get whoever you want. Um, you may not get those elite guys. You might not get the, those first round picks. But you're gonna have so much money to be able to get guys in that twenty to fifty tier that your team's gonna be super deep. And yep. in my experience, every auction is this way. You always have a few teams that blow their wide within the first day. <laughs> Finero probably. Yeah, and maybe. you know, then they're sitting there for like a week until you get down to those two, three dollar guys and you can start getting back into the game. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, just being a little more patient and being able to sit back, like, there's a ton of value in those, like, the middle rounds of of auctions, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's what I learned, too. I, I And I honestly, in startups, that's where I thrive is in those rounds anyway. I, I really feel like I'm very good inside those middle rounds. Uh, I And I kind of... I do it. I do it based on um, supply and demand for the most part. Like I really want to lock down running backs so I don't have to ever worry about them again. Not again, but you know what I'm saying. I, w- I want to let go of that because I I just know that I can find quality wide receivers later. Like I want to pluck all. When you guys are going after your 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 hope, I hope there are running back guys like all your backups. I'm just gobbling up these wide receivers that are going to start on my team. And I just love doing that because I just have my other shit in order. And in an auction draft, that's where they all are. They're after those first couple days there. That's, that's your middle rounds is all right there. And I wasn't allowed to participate, you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't fill out a roster if I did, you know, there was no way I could, actually roster a team if i had bid anything so i get to watch now not only increased value but guys i love just go right through my fingers and i was just like i would trade right now i would trade that guy i would trade julio jones for these two players why why did i do that uh you know you know people say about hindsight though but you live and learn right like, yeah. that's the first time you did it so you right. have to and and that's kind of the thing with like um just football fantasy football in general is make your mistakes, learn from them because that's really the only way you're truly going to learn from them. Sometimes is yeah, you got to feel you know, it. You got to feel it. Yeah, you got to feel that pain, like trading a uh, Tyree kill. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll, you'll learn not to do that again pretty quickly. Biggest piece back in that trade was Juju. Yeah. Salad. Yeah. yeah. That's the biggest piece I got back. <laughs> oh man. Where do we go from this? Um, <laughs> So what is the best worst movie you've ever seen? My my girlfriend um still makes fun of me for this one and I still continue to watch it. I'll never watch it in front of her. I'll never make her watch it, but um 
so <laughs> it's Jumanji. Um, okay. not, not the one with Robin Williams, the new one with The Rock. I have seen it. I have seen it over 50 times. Oh, my God. <laughs> man, I am so I, happy we had you on, man. I have no idea why. Like, I really don't. I don't. Like, it's one of those shows where it's just like, oh, nothing's on. I'm going to put Jumanji. It's so embarrassing. I don't know why I just said it. Oh, the other one was um, Click with Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I've seen that maybe one time. Yeah, I've also seen that over 20 times. Wow, well done, man. <laughs> it's interesting. I asked you that question, and I have no idea what the answer would be for me. Well, I stumbled a lot on the oh, on I do. easy ones for other people, like, you know, uh, the music one and the, you know, what do you sing in your car? Like, I, I'm listening to podcasts in my car. Yeah, that's that's typically what I'm doing as well, but... <laughs> Um, actually, my my guilty pleasure movie is probably Ready Player One. Oh, that's I I dug that movie. Yeah, I thought that was. I've watched well that far too many times though for being a, about the same age as you. So how many? Um. Oh, I don't know. Um. You had to guess over ten. I would say probably around ten. Yeah. All right, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah I've seen it once. I've seen it once. See, there you go. Wait, I'm gonna be editing that part out. As long as you edit the fact that Jumanji is my <laughs> that was amazing. Do you have a big contrarian take compared to like what maybe let's say consensus is uh, just in general or about a specific player or anything like that for fantasy football? Huh. I hate consensus. So I should be like fired up by this question right now because I feel like it could be a cancer. We talked about it several times on this show. Like yeah. if, if you just buy into that, um, first off, it's impossible to do trades. If you're agreeing with everyone's value, I think that's why calculators are so, you know, they're great and they're useful. And, you know, I, I use them for a guide. It's not about judging the, the tool, but it can, when, when people throw values, right. Consensus value is what, what a calculator would be if you're using the same one. Um, it's impossible to make deals. Like, you know, you don't – I felt that Juju was going to come back like a beast. Like, I was literally making comparisons to Hopkins. Remember when Hopkins had that one bad season? And he was able to play with any quarterback. didn't matter except for that one season where Hopkins looked horrible. And I thought that was Juju last season. I had enough excuses for it. I I, I believe wholeheartedly that Juju is going to come back to. I I I I wouldn't have been surprised if it was top five status. That's where that's how I felt about Juju. Now I have to decide on whether I do truly still believe that is in his range of outcomes, or now I have had take lock myself. I'm just convinced because I still want to be right that Juju's going to come and be what I bought. And uh, I don't know, man. It's a tough one. I mean, he has 91 receptions through week 16. Oh, that ain't bad on that team. Yeah. So, And just the depth of target on that team is very low. So that's why his he has less than 800 yards. But, like, I mean, it just kind of shows you that, you know, they're still throwing it to him. It's just, you know. This whole offense has kind of not been incredible this year, so right. Maybe maybe when he goes somewhere else, maybe he goes somewhere with a you know a quarterback that's a little bit you know got a better arm and that sort of thing. So you might not be wrong there. Um, you he's know, still, far, he's still pretty young. Far too often we judge our decisions off of immediate results, and sometimes yep. you know sometimes it takes longer than we think to pay off. I mean. And then sometimes you have uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and he ends up being incredible to start on a new team on a COVID year. And so yep. it's crazy. Who knows? Yep. But uh, all right, one one last thing before we get out of here, and it was kind of back to the trading that you had talked about. And you said most of the time that you your best trades are the ones that other people offer you. Uh, but like, kind of, what's your philosophy, I guess, in general? uh when you're concocting a trade for uh to offer someone yep so this is this is this seems to be where i'm more patient 
Um, and we, and, and that's a great segue coming off of what we just talked about. <laughs> um, I do tend to be a little bit more patient when it comes to trading. Um, I trade when I really need to, I don't, I don't have this passion for trading. Um, we talked about that earlier. I have this separation anxiety, especially like you, you, when you say that you probably are assuming that I'm talking about players that have already popped. It's probably actually just as strong the other way. I didn't need this game of, from AJ Dillon to change my opinion about AJ Dillon. It, it didn't change it one way or the other. It's the exact same way I felt about AJ Dillon. In fact, it maybe even bothered me a little bit that he popped off because maybe now I won't get one more share of him in the offseason. I mean, patient in that same exact way, right? I had to be like running backs. Look at these running backs popping off. AJ Dillon didn't even flash until last night. Um, I'm really patient with that. I'm the guy that still owns Miles Boykin on five teams. You know, I'm super patient and it can come to, at a cost. It, it can. I mean that, so I'm not a huge trader. A lot of, like I said, my, my best trades came to me. Um, I just find it a better position. I, I like knowing what a team perceives the value is of my player. I also like knowing what their needs are. I also feel like they, it's kind of like when you put a bid or, or an asking price on a house, you know that they'll take a little bit more in this case in a trade, you know, you can probably get a little bit more. Um, so I tend to be a little bit more patient when it comes to trading and I tend to, um, take stock or value or criticize trades that I make. Cause you only remember the bad ones. Um, I think a little too much to really make me good at this. I think this is probably like, again, like my weakness in, in dynasty. I need to get better at trading. I, I need to get more aggressive and I need to stop caring so much about, I mean, some of these leagues, dude, they're like $35. Like, why am I caring about that? Like this should be where I'm practicing, right? Get aggressive, move some players around. And honestly, I've done that in a couple lower paying leagues and it has paid off. I don't seem to be able to like then take it onto my high stake leagues. I tend to be a little bit more reserved. I don't have, I don't really own bad teams. So it's hard to really, I mean, you don't want to be in the middle. And, and this season did, you know, grant me some, you know, some, I would say undue fantasy finishes. COVID's been rough on all of us. A lot of our teams, we, you know, lost some stud players. You lost uh, CMC, Barkley, Thomas. I mean, just really big guys. So some of those teams that are on the lower, um, for me, I had four teams in that, in that lower half. Um, I just don't think they belong there. I think it's just a product of the season. I think they'll, they'll be playoff teams again next year with better draft picks. No, I think that's a great, great point is don't be too hard on your teams this year, just based on the results, because there is a ton of variance this year, just because of all of, of these other factors that we typically don't have to take into account. I mean, even as low, small, and I, I regurgitate this so much on all of my pods, but those three three game IRs, just being able to throw a guy on the IR for three games, and then all of a sudden you've lost that guy for three weeks, and you don't know if he's hurt or he's just two more weeks to get to back where he was, or he's somebody that was just off because they needed somebody else to play that week. Like, there's so many different factors that you just have no idea about that. Hopefully, they don't keep these three day uh, or three game IRs, or it's going to be so difficult for us as fantasy players season long ones at least that it was an interesting year so just don't beat yourself up too much i guess um based on the results of this year if you feel like your process is good that's a great point bill thank you so much for joining me i uh truly appreciate you making the time on this monday night football evening yeah thanks for having me bill tell them where, where they can find you all that kind of stuff yep you can find swagzilla zero g at swagzilla zero g and myself <laughs> at aardvark tv over at rookie fever uh every week we've been doing it for uh this is, the, this is our third season of evaluating rookies um it's been a lot of fun he's uh he's, he's one of the coolest people i know and i'm not just saying that because he's my co-host like the, the dude's all around great and i'm lucky to to be co i don't know how it happened to be honest with you he had already had like two podcasts like currently under his belt with like one other one in the past. I'd never done it before. Um, to have the opportunity to, to do that with him has been fantastic. And, and to meet other podcasters like yourself, Bill doing this and all of us supporting each other has been like a real treat, but um, yeah, so that's where you can find us. 
Yep, so uh, make sure you subscribe to Rookie Fever. And, uh, you know, thanks again. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys next time. <laughs>